Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA. In this episode, David and Chapman and I uh, dive back into change management. Please look up hardwaymba.com slash change methodology because this episode we dive really deep into a framework for change and use that as a, a template for how to think about change within real world projects that you're working on today. Enjoy. I'm Jason Thomas. Welcome to the Hardway MBA, where we empower ambitious corporate professionals. That's you, right? With real world business knowledge. We interview business leaders who are gracious enough to share their strategic insights and tactical activities to improve your business and career. If you enjoy these interviews, please spread the word because nothing says thank you as well as a referral to your friends and colleagues. Now let's dive in. Welcome, welcome, folks. Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA. Uh, super excited to do something a little bit new with you today. We've got uh, a couple episodes on tap with David Chapman. Uh, David and I both work at Proficient, and uh, David runs our change management team. I'm going to let him introduce himself uh, in, in a moment here, but very excited about the new format. I'd like to get your feedback on it, so know in advance that I'm asking you for uh, for your feedback. Uh, shoot me a note over at jason at hardwaymba.com. David, in a, in a sentence or two, who are you what do you do? Hey, Jason, and thanks for having me. It's great to be here today. Uh, I run, as you mentioned, our organizational change management group within the company. And when we are thinking about organizational change management, we're thinking about people. Uh, Proficient does a lot of technology uh, and process implementations, and each one of those has a people impact. My role at Proficient is to make sure that the people are ready, willing, and able to accept whatever change is coming uh, and that we're as productive as possible uh, as quickly after go live as possible. Back with David Chapman to talk about uh, continue our conversation about change management. Uh, last time we talked about the communication plans and uh, kind of how that works and how that uh, how how we make that flexible and adaptable and move through the uh, a project. Um, uh, David, I'm, I'm wondering if you can walk us through uh, change management in a uh, you know, in a, a kind of maybe a little more holistic than because I, I, I get the sense that there's this communication that happens. We've got the stakeholder analysis that happens, and it, it feels like there's other stuff there somewhere. Um, and to make it really work in a real project, walk us through how you, how you think about that. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. And um, like any good capability, we have a methodology we we follow. Um, change management on a project often feels kind of fly by the seat of your pants, willy-nilly, oh, I need to send out a communication today or start thinking about training tomorrow. And, um, you know, sometimes that's the way the change is structured on the project, uh, for right or for wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality is sometimes because of the iterative nature of change management, it may feel like that even though you have a more concrete methodology in place. Um, at Proficient, we are very careful to put a methodology in place that we're going to use and stick to it uh, so that it is as controlled as it possibly can be. And that's important for our clients to know that not only do we know where we want to be at the end of the day, but that we have a process that we're going to follow to get there. Mm -hmm. um, Jason, you, you may be able to put up on your screen the change methodology that we use at Proficient. Uh, and if you're looking at that, what you'll see is you'll see four key quadrants of four key uh, phases. Yeah, and folks, um, you guys can go over to hardwaymba.com and uh, hardwaymba.com change 
uh, slash change methodology, and you'll be able to find this. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's great. So, so what you'll notice in this in this methodology is it's uh, it's got four primary phases: define, communicate, enable, and sustain. Uh, and I'll walk through each of them briefly. Uh, but the other thing that I'll highlight before I do that is if you're looking at it, uh, and if you're looking at it <laughs> in your head, um, and imagining this, um, we've got arrows going between each of the phases. There are little gold triangles on the methodology picture mm -hmm. that that you may be looking at. Um, and that is to signify the iterative nature of change management. It's not a waterfall process. We've got to continually be going back and looking at where we are, where we've been, to figure out where we need to go. Right. Um, however, it's got to start somewhere, right? And we, we started in the defined phase. Uh, the defined phase probably is the shortest. We spend the least amount of time of the four phases. Uh, however, it's probably the most critical. And uh, from one of the other uh, webinars we did here, Jason, we talked about how that gets left out very frequently. Yeah. Uh, and in the defined phase, we're talking about building the overall communication or, excuse me, change management plan. So at a high level, think of that as the project charter for change management. What right. are we trying to do in this engagement? Within that, I'll highlight a couple of the bullets. Uh, we really focus on that case for change. Why are we doing this? What's in it for me? Uh, and also, uh, we also do our readiness assessments and our gap analysis here. But again, once we have that case for change, once we kind of know where we're going and why we're doing it, um, we move quickly into the communicate phase. Now, this is where we spend probably the majority of our time. That's a very uh, much contrasting the defined phase. And the communicate phase is exactly what you would think it is. It's where we focus on communication. So we start with that stakeholder assessment and we build our communication plan. And that's all great. Um, and that's all the strategic part of change management, the exciting stuff. Uh, then we've got to roll up our sleeves and get the work done. Yep. Creating any communication, whether it's an email or a PowerPoint or whatever it is, is work. Yeah, uh, so it also, we also have to go through the process of iterating that, getting it reviewed mm -hmm. and signed off. And that takes time, and people often don't factor that piece in. Uh, and that's a key portion of any change management program because it takes a lot of the time. Right. So tell me about one of the bullets here, uh, change network. What does that mean? So Change Champion Network um, is, is really how do we engage people in the field to be part of the project team, even though they're not part of the project team? And let me say it another way. If, I, if I've got an audience of 15,000 end users, as a change manager, I can't touch 15,000 people. However, if I can find champions, another way of saying it, the advocates out in the field who um, do have contact with those people. So there's maybe maybe I, I have a champion for each department or each geographic location or maybe a combination of both where I can engage them maybe once every couple of weeks for an hour to let them know where the project is, what mm -hmm. key messages that we want them to help us reinforce. They can talk to their people. The sure. other thing that's critically important about a change network is being able to build a two-way communication channel back to the project team. So, so much of what we've talked about so far, Jason, we've been talking about how we push information out from the project team yeah. to, the, to the end users. These folks help you bring it back. In that, this helps to bring it back. What, how are our messages landing? Are people getting it? Yeah. What questions and concerns do they have? That two-way channel helps the program team and the project team better deliver the project both from a quality perspective, but also making sure we meet our users where they are. If we're going to get buy-in, that's critically important. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So 
now we've got that change network in place, so we've got a good a good uh, you know network of communication. Um, we're pushing out the communication; it's coming back to us, and we're moving in, then into the enable that kind of bottom right hand quadrant of your of your uh, uh, chart here. Um, you know, that's it, there's some interesting things here from I think training plans and deployment. I think that that kind of makes sense. Job impact analysis. I'm I'm curious what that means. So yeah, so when we think about um, our end users and what is what does it mean to go to a new way of life? Um, what's it for me, right? Yeah. Um, what does it mean to their job, right? If we're implementing a new system, just how they interact with that system may change. Mm -hmm. um, their whole job may change because a lot of times we're implementing a new system. We're going the the business process is changing, right? And so we need to understand what impact it has on people because that directly feeds training. If I understand that I'm moving from way of life A to way of life B, well, I'm going to focus my training on making that transition happen. Right. If I don't understand that, then I have a harder time building training that resonates with my target audiences. Mm -hmm. uh, so the job impact analysis is, is just that. What's changing about your job? How's your job impacted? How can I make sure you're ready for the new way of life? Yeah, that makes sense. So that's at a, an individual contributor level. Well, that's across the board, really. But um, the managerial decision making and performance management and compensation, those last yep. three bullets, uh, this whole enable part uh, of this this chart is a bit of a quandary for me. Uh, can you flesh that out a little bit? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and uh, let me let me not scare you and say we don't um, or maybe bring you some more comfort is a better way of saying that we, we don't necessarily do all of these on every project um, particularly with implementing a new system um, we may not fall into these however uh, when we're talking about bigger organizational design changes or we're implementing more than a system but we're implementing a new culture really for an organization it may change the decisions we're asking our managers to make how they do their job it may change if we change someone's job significantly, we might need to change how we evaluate them, right? Yeah, so absolutely. think of a sales force. Maybe we're putting a new process in from a sales force that's moving them from a commission or from a salary to a commission-based structure, right? Right. Or if we do that, we have to prepare them for that. So the performance management standards may change. Not just an example. There's a million of those. Mm -hmm. um, compensation may change based on what we're asking our people to do. Uh, that is heavier OD organizational design. Those are heavier OD components. But yet, if we're going to factor those in, and sometimes we have to, it would fall into this phase for us. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense then. Um, and then as you move over into the, uh, I think you've talked a little bit about the, the sustain. This is really kind of listening to that audience, listening to those stakeholders, right? Absolutely. And sustain may be my favorite phase. Um, th there's two big pieces that I like to oversimplify probably a little bit here with sustain, but what are we talking about here? A lot of times uh, when we're implementing a um, a system, a new process, whatever it may be, that project may go on for a long period of time. And a lot of it may be the different migrations we have to do. So if we're implementing a new email system, we may do a thousand users a week over the course of 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, being able to sustain the change effort for the duration is key. Sometimes we get all excited on the front end of change and then we, we kind of, um, we kind of do all of our stuff at the beginning and then we lose interest and lose momentum and it doesn't happen. And that, that poor person who is part of week 12 migration has totally forgotten 
what they're supposed to do because we talked to them the last time, six, seven, eight weeks ago. Right. Right. So how do we sustain the change effort so it's real and relevant for our end users when they need it? Back to the right message at the right time for the right yep. people. The other thing I would say, this is where I get all fired up and excited, is we want to help our clients build change management into what they do and make it really a part of their daily life. Uh, and so how can we help change the culture of our organization by way of even one project so they understand the relevancy of change management, the value of change management, and more importantly, how to do change management for their next project, whether or not they engage proficient. We want them to know how to do this because we think it's so important for anything you do, large or small, system implementation or not. Change is hard. Change is critical for success. We want to help people to do it. We want to teach them how to fish. Uh, and so when we talk about sustain in this context, we're really talking about how do you really build it into what you do going forward on every project that you do. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, David, this uh, the whole change management process. You've you you've talked through a little. Well, you've talked through a lot here over the last few weeks. The 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 thing that gets me is change becomes a cultural issue, right? And uh, we're kind of going we're kind of going a little long here, but I think this is important enough to talk about. Uh, I think Drucker said culture eats strategy for breakfast. So if you can embed change and the pursuit of that change into the culture of an organization, then you are, you're really putting them on a path uh, for success that, that, you know, is not, is yet to be defined because their strategy to, their strategy is not drawn out to that, to that length, whereas the culture will become self-sustaining, hopefully. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. And it's interesting, um, when we've had uh, some of our most successful projects and engaged clients. Um, those clients, the common characteristic of those clients are seasoned professionals who have lived through projects where change management wasn't done well. And no one wants to do that again. Yep. <laughs> and so um, that's really where when we talk about changing the culture, embedding it. Folks are realizing, keep in mind, change management is arguably a relatively young discipline. Uh, in the in the project world, it really started to get its legs in the 90s, uh, and then we've been refining it for the last 20 years to make it what it is today. But overall, when you think about um, corporate America, which has been around for hundreds of years, change is pretty new, and people are realizing that change is making such a big difference. We've got to really focus on it. So it is it is changing the culture. Now there's a lot of work still to be done, but those clients, those customers, those leaders uh, for us who recognize the value of change have been predominantly more successful than those who are, are laggards on that uh, in this discipline. Yeah. Thank you, David. Really appreciate your insights, man. I very much enjoyed it, Jason. Support more. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hardway MBA. Look us up on Twitter at Hardway MBA. Our website's hardwaymba.com. Facebook, LinkedIn, we've got groups everywhere. If you don't guess we should be talking to, please make an introduction. Nothing says thank you to me like referring this podcast to your friends. Drop a link to them. Let them know they should listen. Thank you so much.